0: Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Today's sermon is given by Dr. Sammy D. Kim, a co founder of 180 Church NYC, a bioethics fellow in global health and social medicine at Harvard Medical School, and a regular contributor at Christianity Today. So, for our, fif- for our 15th or 10th, I-, I don't remember, we've been married for a while now, so. but uh, for our 10th, I think, anniversary, we-, we went to Europe for about 30 days. And we stopped by Paris. Here's a picture of my son and I. There you go. And um, so, in my right, that's Nathan. I mean, he's a lot bigger now. Uh, the teacher said he's actually five seven and a half. They measured him. He's taller than my wife. He's almost getting there. He's catching up. But I'm still the tallest person in the house. <laughs> I'd like to make that very clear. Um, but we, we were in Paris. We were at a market in Paris. Of course, the baguettes are very important. And th- that's showcased there. And um, actually, this picture is not as sweet as it looks. He was trying to take my bread. <laughs> but. Um, a lot of times my youngest one he's seven now that he there he was i think like three and a half very cute kid appearance are deceiving <laughs> but uh, a lot of times josh will ask very difficult existential questions like when he sees a picture where he isn't like a family picture or just me and nathan like this picture in paris he'll ask me Was I with mom? Because for him, to his calculation, he always existed. (laughs) He cannot conceive of his preeminence before he was actually a sentient being that was conscious of himself being in this earth. He he can't understand a moment when he wasn't. So he contemplates about this, ontological existence, that he was somewhere else, when actually he wasn't at all. And so, these questions about, hey, Dad, where do babies come from? Obviously Trader Joe's. Why do you think there's a line outside in this city, they're trying to get babies? Or more expensive babies, they sell them at Whole Foods, but most people can't afford them. But. Um, So the question of ontological existence comes with kids. And, you know, the thing is as we move into a new season of students coming back and international students and everybody in new environments, what I like to do is try to frame the idea of new life and the idea we're transitioning to where spiritual babies come from. What does new life look like in Christ? So a lot of people think that Faith or Christianity is dogmatic beliefs. You know, know, if you ask my kids who they are or where they come from, they're not going to tell you, well, I come from a hospital, right? I mean, because besides the point, everyone is born in a hospital. I mean, some of you maybe weren't. I mean, talk to me afterwards, okay? There's DACA. So, I mean, that's a joke, by the way. But, I mean, uh, it's like, the whole idea of faith in Christianity is not about religious association. At, at the fundamental level, Christianity is about who you belong to in relationship. And so when my son's asking, hey, where do I come from? I clearly say, you come from mom's tummy. Even though you literally come from me. But we won't get to that. And I don't want to explain that to my children, even though I have to my oldest, but okay. So what does is, what is spiritual life look like? Because it's invisible, right? Like, it doesn't happen physically like everyday, everyday life or ordinary life. The only way you can actually make sense of physical birth is retrospectively. You look at pictures, you look at relationships you have, and then you become conscious, cognizant of who you are and where you're from and who you belong to. And the center networks of relationships that you're embedded in, in that environment and context. So what, is, what does that look like spiritually? Because I think there's a lot of confusions, A lot of confusion around what does it mean to be born again? Or what does it mean to have a relationship with God? How do you start that? How does new life happen? I'd like to clarify that in a three-part series on how new life happens, spiritual new life happens. So I want to look at this passage today, and what I want to frame is very clearly what might be happening in you. Tell someone, what might be happening in you? What is actually happening in In the city what is actually taking place around the whole world and this wind this text talks about a wind that blows this renewal this radical renewal of being reborn and encountering God in a very deep powerful way it happens viscerally of course but it's happening everywhere. It's happening to you, it's happening to me, it's happening to everyone. And, and sometimes why people can't identify if they're being born again or have new life is because they think it's supposed to be dogmatic. Let me tell you right now, I have two kids, 12-year-old and a 7-year-old. Everything about maternity and puberty is annoying, <laughs> disgusting frustrating, and horrific. So this is my message about why you shouldn't have kids. No, no. Uh, but, But what I'm trying to convey is that the Bible describes birth primarily through the lens of maternity and puberty. So you come to church and you think that everything should be systematized. Everything should be Crystallized. There should be pristine clarity about what's going on inside. If I asked you, what are you feeling right now, a lot of you would even know, I have to create a feeling chart for you. You're like, I don't know, I'm good, I guess. Oh, what's the biggest booming business today? Counseling. Some of you are in it, right? You're like, man, every time you pay, but I'll pay it. And that's what they're doing, pick out a feeling. So. It's very difficult to pin down and crystallize and map what's going on inside. And that's why it's paramount and important to understand rebirth and try to identify what might be going inside. Because let me tell you, you, you ask a Christian, hey, when were you born again? I have no idea. I know I started, when I started attending church, stopped attending church, attending church again. I don't know, it's really confusing. It's in intervals. I was really hot when I was young. I was really pagan when I was college. And then I was really holy again in my 20s and then really not holy in my 30s. And I'm back at church now. I'm 40. I'm back at church. That's basically the story. A lot of times, the intervals. So when is new birth happen? So we got to pinpoint it. So let's look at this text. So look at this first thing. Nicodemus is around church because he's a pastor. He's a scholar, chief scholar. So he's around religion. He's around religious things. He's thinking about it. And he's around a religious community. Yet, like many nominals who grew up in the church and who have it, who are seeking, you know that if it isn't right, if it isn't right, you know it's in, something is missing. So he goes, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus who is a member of the Jewish ruling council, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God for no one can perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So here you see Nicodemus being drawn. Tell someone next to you, drawn. Yeah. He was pulled. There was a propensity. Even though he was a religious leader, scholar, it, something was missing. Something was off. There were questions that was happening in the moment in his context that warranted this question. What does this man have that I don't? and he was drawn. Now we did a survey of our church, various of new pockets visiting our church. You know what the number one trend in the last five years is? Previous research, empirical research on why people go to church is because someone invited them. Right? In our community, the number one way people attend is through Google. we're like, what the heck, what, is that? what are people doing? They're losing to an algorithm. Yeah, well everybody's losing to an algorithm these days, so okay, feel, you feel better. But I mean, we have someone that's a, a non-church background who is an Amazon engineer who searched for churches in New York, and of course, because our church is a number, we come up first. <laughs> I knew that when I made the name. Thank you, thank you. Yes, Genius. So, I mean, we have Amazon engineers, we have people attending schools at NYU, Columbia, and other schools. Not to say those are the only two schools. Well, maybe there are only two schools that matter. No, I'm kidding, I'm joking. I'm kidding, okay? Let me not get in trouble again. Now, so, but um, you have Amazon engineer who, who completely is unchurched. And he said, you know what drew me to want to look into faith were my friends in school. They seem to have a transcending framework about the meaning of life that I'm looking to explore. I'm like, wait, so no one invited you to our church? No? Google. (laughs) So sometimes sometimes we could be like, well, we could put the pressure on ourselves. Some of you guys who are already trying to tell people about Jesus, telling, witnessing about your faith to others, and you're frustrated, and you're like, you know, is anyone going to ever believe? When in this framework, God is already working. People are already seeking. And it seems like that they're the one seeking, right? That seekers are the one taking the initiative. But again, that word, like Nicodemus, he was what? Drawn. He was drawn to and drawn by. See, a lot of us, those of us who are believers don't know this, but God is already at work. Tell someone, God is at work. It's just that we're not paying attention. Are there are other friends of ours who've already investigated faith on their own. They read Lewis, they, they were told about the gospel, they read books, and they're like, you know what, this seems to make sense. I need to go to church. Churches of New York, 180 church. <laughs> So here is the empirical evidence of the phenomenon and interest here that God is already at work in people's lives and God is trusting us with them and we have to pay attention because God is drawing people to himself on his own, even without us. We've done nothing. Well, that's not true. We have a large presence online. Those highlights help, I'm sure, and we boost them. Instagram and Facebook make a lot of money because I know we pay them every year. But that is the data. The data says that God is drawing people to themselves. It seems like seekers are taking the first step, but no, it's God is the first seeker. God is seeking his kids. Because to God, and we say this all the time, God doesn't have categories. He doesn't have labels. All he sees when he sees the earth and he looks down vertically are lost and found kids. That's the only labels he counts. Not Christian, not atheist, not agnostic, not any other religious affiliation or political affiliation or your favorite ice cream flavor. He doesn't care. He sees lost and found. So you see the dance. You see the tango. I was very, very tempted to name this message the tango, because it takes two to tango. But the beginning partner is God. God is drawing Nicodemus to himself. And Nicodemus doesn't know. It almost seems like he is the only one interested. But you see that? The baby's crying. Just like some of us, there's things going inside. Very prophetic. See? Confirmation. So, what's the first thing? What's the first thing? How, how can you identify new life, the beginning of new life? Well, first here. This is the first thing we see. It's a sonogram. 2012 of Josh. Looks like a little alien this little alien, I mean, I saw this alien, it looks like me, like a little blob. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Josh didn't realize or know what's going on. He's just, you know, my wife had some cra- crazy cravings. We almost got, we even got pulled over a couple of times because she couldn't decide salad or hamburger. There's something going inside of her and growing inside of her that she couldn't really tell. But even before Josh knew his name, Before we even knew his name, he was already being born. He was growing. This maternity process was interesting. And what I'm I'm suggesting to you is when the wind of the Spirit blows, which we'll go more into in the next few verses, when God starts moving, it's not evident. It's implicit and subtle, but it starts happening within you. Whatever reason you're here today, seeking a a faith community, God is working in you. So the pressure to get it right, the pressure to know the right things, or to answer the right, and have the right answers, to get your life together, is beside the point. Birth, let me tell you right now, okay, I've been at two real births. Well, hopefully, right? I mean, I'm the father, so... And my kids had nothing to do with their birth. I had nothing to, well, in the beginning, but, you know, my, it was mostly my wife and annoying medical interns. Push, push, shut up, get that, you know. It's, medical interns are annoying. Sorry, sir, whoever interns are here, but you are annoying. No, but um, my wife is the one that pushed did the work. And so it begins, the process begins with God doing the work. And later you you realizing who did the work in you. So I want to just reassure you today, the pressure is not on you. The pressure is on him, the one, who are the one drawing you to himself. Because he starts the work and he finishes the work. You just have to realize it and be like, ah, that's what it is. That's who I belong to. That's who I'm from. And that's what Nicodemus was experiencing. He was experiencing new birth and he couldn't explain it. He was what? He was drawn to Jesus because something inside was taking place that he couldn't explain, and that's why he had to ask. And I pray that the Spirit of God today would help you see what's happening in you. Amen? So this is the first thing we learn. We're what? Drawn by what? We're drawn by the wind of the Spirit. I remember when I met my wife in college. People say that when you fall in love, that something is in the air. And I remember distinctively one of our first moments. People used to call her dictator in high school and in also in college. You know Lucy from you know Peanut Comics? That's her. I remember she took charge, she's like presidential, you know, and um, I was just watching from afar, but something was in the air. And it wasn't love at first sight. And we we had this exam, and she got this study notes and she pounded on the table all the Asian freshmen like the King Arthur's table is at a library because, you know, that's a sacred place for us. And uh, she was just like, this is what we're going to do. Let me tell you what we're going to do. It's like, whoa, tenacious. Something is in there, but it wasn't love. It was fear, palpable fear, palpable fear. I want to stay away from this one. And, and I remember, uh, that's how it started, but literally, it drew me, it drew me. And then, of course, long story short, we got together. But when it happens, and how it happens, and the room it happened, you, you can't really tell. We're drawn by God. We're drawn by the wind of the Spirit And something in us has a propensity toward a transcending reality. that's why you're here. That's why I'm here, asking the transcending questions. So I pray that you would be able to identify that you are actually being drawn by God, first thing. Second thing, let's move down. Nicodemus says, of course. Of course, what do we try to do when we can't make sense of something that's going on viscerally inside? We try to think about it what? Illogically. This is, I mean, I've mentored many guys in my life and this is what they tell me in every relationship. This is their first thing when they're frustrated with their girlfriends. It's not logical. (laughs) And I go, you thought men and women were logical? Well, it's not logical. I said, dude, this is not Vulcan. You know, this is—you can't be Spock in a relationship. Relationships are not logical. Tell someone relationships are not logical. (laughs) Is it logical to spend three hundred dollars on a dinner? Well, you're gonna have to if you want to get married. (laughs) Well, for the least four times you meet, and then you go to McDonald's, right? (laughs) You gotta—you gotta impress, deceive. That's your (laughs) tactic. It's your tactic. It's not logical. But when, when something viscerally is happening and you're losing control, and you feel like you can't control anyone or, or yourself, what do you do? You, just, you go to logic. Well, that's not logical. Kids are not logical. Don't have them. If you wanna live by logic or on a budget, <laughs> no. Of course it's not logical. But Nicodemus goes to logic to pretend himself, to draw what? Boundaries with, from his own heart because he can't explain what's happening. It's a good thing. But it feels overwhelming, and it feels like fear. Sometimes a lot of people miss being reborn, and it goes into a dangerous territory of saying, no, this is something I want to move away from because it feels overwhelming, and it feels, you feel fearful. Everything about your life, everything about you is changing. Of course, you're being born. So Nicodemus says, how can that be? How could someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time in their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus is like, Nicodemus, you're the chief counsel? You're not very sharp. Of course, I'm speaking hypothetically and symbolically. And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised by my saying, you must be born again. Tell someone, born again. Yes, born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases you. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asks. So what's happening in you is invisible. It is visceral, it can be felt, it can even be measured, but it's hard to identify. I mean, if you ask me, hey, can you identify maternity and puberty? I go, yeah, but it's really hard because it's really messy. Like how many times do we have to yell at our kids for being bratty, for rebelling? How many times do we have to love them when they're hurt? How many times are they going to doubt if I love them or not? Even when they're 50. Even though I'm a good father, I hope. Ask them, interview them and see. But, I mean, this whole dance, this whole process of relationship is difficult. And it's invisible. And that's why we're talking about it. So we can try to identify, map out what's going on inside of us. Because if you don't you might not you might miss the fact that God is working in your life and completely miss it this wonderful birth to actually discover who you belong to let's go to this picture so this is Josh at three I think three months maybe look how cute he is he's much cuter here because he can't talk Yeah. I remember holding Josh when he was born. Uh, Peeves actually missed he He went to the wrong airport. <laughs> Pastor Billy went to the wrong airport. And Josh was like, why did he do that? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I almost miss, missed the birth of my child. But thanks, Peeves. They actually have this on tape if you want to watch the documentary. <laughs> but um, I, I remember being there for for the birth of Josh and, you know, it's a magical, powerful moment to see new life in your hands. New life is vulnerable. Actually, that's it, they're just vulnerable. And without proper, you know, nourishment and encouragement, they die. And that's why new life, even though it's beautiful and powerful and life-changing, if you don't have an environment that can nourish you, spiritual life dies. And that's why I'm discussing this with you and telling you because that's why we're gathered together. We want to help you identify new life in you. And we want to bring it, bring it out. So you can flourish in your faith with God in your life. You know, that's what the church, the Ecclesia is called to do. We're called to, from birth to death, look after you. It's a long process. So, so what if you doubt, get upset, or pout, or vent, or are confused? That's going to happen in life, right? We're here for the long haul and, and that's really what it looks like. So we're first drawn by the wind, by the wind of the spirit. We're drawn by the spirit. secondly. We're what? Born through the wind of the spirit. We're born. And Jesus said that flesh gives birth to flesh but the spirit gives birth to spirit and Some of us are being reborn. Some of us already have. We're just trying to help you identify what's happening inside of you. And I think that's pretty important. So today, we looked at two things. We're drawn by God to God. And rebirth happens through Him, so the pressure is off of us. But you're here for a reason. Either you're a believer that's going to mature in your faith, in your relationship with God, or you're here in the very beginning stage being reborn. And we're here to help you with both. And that's why Jesus was telling the story of Nicodemus. Now there's much greater detail about what salvation looks like. Sin, there's that part. We're not going to that. That's the real messy part. We're going to go into that in some part, but that's a very clear picture of what happens. And I remember many of us in this room that have been reborn. In fact, we're, my wife and I are talking about this because one of one of our you know families at our church is having another baby, three in three years the one that was crying there. Um, I remember when I first married them, they were actually the, the forerunners of all marriages after like 10 marriages, whatever, and, you know, and hopefully a few more, wink, wink. And, <laughs> uh, and she's having a third in December or November. My wife and I are talking, but she's like, don't you want another one? No. <laughs> I'm looking after spiritual babies at church, but without new life, life is pointless. A church without new life, is also becomes obsolete. Right? What is the point of a church? If a bunch of old people get together, it goes, "Has your son gone into Harvard or not?" And we judge each other about our lives. Then it becomes about pettiness, not what. Not the mission of God, not the grand plan of what God is trying to do as a prodigal father, right? And that's why I want to tell the believers today before we pray, look around you. It's not even you that's doing the work, it's God. And he's bringing people right next to you from Google. Thanks, Google. Google. And maybe that's what God is doing. God is drawing people to himself. Perhaps you come here and you're like, well, someone invited them. No, maybe not. Maybe you're the one that has to pay attention to what God God might be doing in their life and invite them to the story that God is writing for them. And for those of you who are from Google, welcome. We're here to help. We'll help you make sense of what's going inside of you. So let's stand and pray. You know, wherever you might be with God, close, far, somewhere in between, you know, you might be down God's block, you might be in His front door, you might be inside the house. Wherever you might be. As God's family, we're here to help nurture and encourage you to find yourself who you belong to, the one who loves you, the one who made you. And truthfully, until you know who you belong to, all you're trying to do in your life is trying to fit in somewhere. And fitting in is not the same as belonging. So you lift your hands to the Lord with me, and I want to pray for you today, wherever you might be. We want to help you get from down that block into God's family. So for for those of you who believe, please pay attention to what God's doing around you. And join Him. Restore the beauty in all things. So Father, we come before You this afternoon with all our doubts, with all the pressures in our lives. You know, that's what research is telling us about the first world, we've doubled our lifespan, we create new medicines, we've made AIDS and HIV a chronic disease from a terminal one. We have more food, more services than any civilization has ever seen in history. Yet the number one symptom, the data tells us, is that everyone feels like they don't belong. And I think, and I know, that's because until you clarify who you really belong to, you'll always be searching an illusion. This perfect place, this perfect person, whatever that is for you. And that's where the gospel is good news. You belong to the Father. He created you on purpose, for purpose. And He's calling you home. People ask me, what is it about your wife that made you want to marry her? I'm giving you a golden nugget here, so you know when you want to marry someone. Simply this is what I would say, she felt like home. Not a geographic location, not Southern California, not in Malibu. It's wherever she was, it felt like a place of rest. And in the same way, that's who the Father is, it's your home. In our number one mission in our community, is to help you find your home. And I think that's when people who are far from God, somewhere in between, would consider themselves a child of God. I'm at home. That's our prayer for you. Will you bow our heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now And forevermore all god's people say amen god bless you go in peace hey
1: everyone we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today we want to invite you to join us for our sunday service we meet at the amc lowes theater at 19th and broadway in manhattan at 12 noon and we'd love to see you guys there We also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at 539-7-PRAYER and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv.